0: This is a post-Christian podcast.
1: We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, and all are welcomed. Join us.
2: Welcome to the Sacred Collective. Um I kind of wanted to talk about today. I'm here with Caleb. Um, by the way, Hello. um, we're not meeting in our small group since, you know, COVID's kind of been, um, I'm going to just say COVID's kind of been a bitch and not being able to really get together. And unfortunately my brother was one of the people who had tested positive for COVID. So my wife and I and our daughter had to quarantine for 14 days. The nice things I got to miss work, however, Um, It kind of sucks because we couldn't meet in a bigger group for Sacred Collective. But Caleb and I are going to talk about, I kind of want to, I had this on my mind, um, more or less the, uh, I guess, problem that I have, and I think a lot of people have, with the institutionalized church and institutions in general. And I don't really have like a big outline, I actually don't have an outline, however, I think uh, we can spitball enough things where you, our listeners, can probably um, you know appreciate what we're going to say. Um, I guess I'm going to backtrack and kind of start out about me. I know I've said on the podcast many times, but I grew up evangelical. Um, you know that that fun phrase, ex evangelical. Um, I grew up the sons of God. Um, pretty much, I was actually born into that. Funny story is. I played Baby Jesus for the first two years of my life mm. in our Christmas play, um, which I was not— I did not consent to that. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, I played Baby Jesus. That's like my acting chops. No, but—and then, you know, I went, you know, was pretty much Pentecostal up until, you know, into college, and then I went to an Assemblies of God Bible College here in the Twin Cities, and then I— um, more or less deconstructed during that. Then I, you know, played around with Baptist, being a Baptist for a while, and actually got my other two degrees from a more evangelical Baptist um, seminary, which at the time when I went was pretty, pretty uh, good mixture of not just evangelicals, but we had Lutherans and Catholics and Presbyterians, you know, kind of more of the, um, I don't know what would you call it, uh, more flavor than just evangelical. Mm more denominations. Um, and then I became part of the United Church of Christ, which I, I'm still a member, so is my wife. However, um, I've said on the podcast before that I was um, going into um, ordination within that um, tradition, which recently I stepped away from because I feel that most denominations, even mainline liberal denominations really don't understand um, church, ministry, community outside of its four walls of the church mm-hmm. and I would not I'm not going to paint a broad stroke and say everyone thinks that <laughs> not that everyone thinks that, but I think a majority of people within mainline churches um, do do think that. Do think that you can only do um, church one way, and so I, it was a hard decision, but a decision nonetheless that I had to do of just walking away from it. Um, I mean, it was one of those things where where I had to walk away because when I told the people, quote unquote, in charge of my denomination, I would call them the gatekeepers. It's they did not understand the kind of ministry that I wanted to do and not and sometimes I don't even like calling it ministry it's like the way I do community the way I look at community and for so many people within the church even mainline liberals it's like you you know church is more than just coming into church on a Sunday or Wednesday or whenever we do it it's, you know it's more than just having coffee and you know lunch together at the church Like, you want to do something else than that? Well, yeah. Well, what is it? And then I'll explain it to them, and it's like they look at me like I'm speaking another language, and I really feel that there's, you know, and I've said to people within my own church, there's thousands, if not millions of people worldwide, regardless of age, you know, people will be like, oh, it's the millennials, or it's like the Gen Y, like you're the ones that are doing that, and, you know, maybe there's some truth to that, but I think it's I think it's across the board. I think it's across, you know, generational lines where there's a lot of people who, ha- and I've said it to you, Caleb, that there's a lot of people who have this affinity, this appreciation for Jesus, the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, but for whatever of our reasons, fill in the blank, we have such a, we're like allergic to organized church. We're allergic to organized religion. And I, partly what I want to talk about today is just why why we think that like why why there is this allergicness to it
0: yeah i think once any organization gets to a certain size uh uniformity has to come into play and you know you, you can a a very small tribe can be governed by like just a judge and a trial of, or a, a, a jury of their own peers but um when you you get bigger and bigger, then you need, like, catch-all rules, and you need black and white, you know, and, um, and then you need, uh, politics, and you need, um, you need ways to enforce those rules, and then you need, um, boards and, uh, you know, committees to discuss those rules, and, what are we really presenting here and especially when you're dealing with something as abstract as the notion of an invisible and and intangible improvable god and you have a lot of people talking about talking about their own understanding of the will of god and that being almost like a trump card mm-hmm. I spell like when, whenever there's a board meeting and someone can command the floor by asserting, well, God told me this, uh, that is a very, even if they mean it in full sincerity, that is a very easily abused system. Sure. You know, um, and, and yeah, I, th- I think, uh, I guess you, you gave kind of your backstory. I'll, I'll give a little bit, real briefly, of my backstory is I, uh, have been working in, um, in fundamentalist or fundamentalist adjacent churches, in evangelical churches for uh, I mean, ever since I mean, ever since I can remember, up until about two years ago, two and a half years ago, and it, even during my deconstruction and and you know I, I was a worship leader for a little while and stuff like that, and then. Uh, I was a sound guy uh, for a little while and and I was fully honest with everyone I was like a lot of this sh- stuff just doesn't make sense but 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 in their mind you know I was in the flock I was in the herd and so they would just like have to pray for me kind of thing um but 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 there's never really any honest engagement about like well why do you feel that way oh, maybe it's time for you to, to step into atheism and, and see what happens because if, there, if if there is a god then that god is a lot bigger than A person's individual doubts, you know, and if the and if the will of that God is predetermined, then you're either going to hell or not, and that's you know, um, asking the questions that are on your heart really doesn't seem like it's going to change that outcome very
2: much. Right, and I I don't want, like I said earlier, I don't want to paint a broad stroke of everyone in church, whether you're evangelical or your mainline. I, there are a lot of people who, you know, get that church, that ministry community is not solely formed just within, you know, the four walls of the church, but I feel that these boards, whether they're ministry boards, church boards, board of elders, whatever you want to call it, that they're the ones, in in essence, who make the decisions for the church. They're the church mouthpiece um and as much much as people don't want to think that the church is a business it's run by uh, it's run like a business because there's finances yeah. there's things that and I'm not saying that that's inherently wrong or mm-hmm. bad it it is reality that that's what it is, however, I do think that um and I posted this even on my own um personal instagram is I think. The the word I think that our generations, the younger generations, are allergic to is is the word control, because when you get and I've been a part of so many you know two differing denominations on both you know on way different spectrums of theology and, and understanding, but when it came down to it, how they were both very hierarchical. They were very like you need to come in front of us as these boards or these committees. And you have to literally tell us why you think you're ready to be in ministry, yay or nay, regardless if you have education, regardless of any other um, real-world experience that you may have doing ministry. And like to me, and, and it wasn't just in this situation that just happened recently with me, but even in the tradition that I grew up in, it's coming up to these boards that don't talk to me throughout the whole entire year right. but they talk to you for like an hour a year and based off of that hour per year therefore they make the broad sweeping declaration if you are ready for ministry or not and a lot of people don't understand that unless you're in the, in that like a normal congregant normal member of a church is not going to see you know kind of behind that curtain But for someone like me who has seen behind that curtain, and I have just kind of been, I'm not going to say wounded, I mean, I was angered, I was pissed, you know, all that stuff, but then it made me realize doing things like Sacred Collective, helping out with Revolution, you know, other ministries that are are on my plate are so much more vitally important, and, and, you know, just knowing the people who listen to Sacred Collective, the people who you know, who listen and are part of the revolution community. And I've seen these communities, you know, mm-hmm. being churched, you know, not just to one another, but, but, you know, to their community around them. Mm-hmm. And it boggles my mind in such a good, positive way. And then it makes me sit back and, and sometimes get frustrated to be like, you know, why, why do we as, as church, and I'm not saying we, like you and me, but corporate, like as people, do we make it so hard when people want to do ministry in a way we might not understand, but in a way that is appropriate, a way that is um, meeting a need? And there's people who just are like, no, you know. I don't, and it would be one thing if we were like, I don't know, I don't even know an example, but you know, like what I wanted to do at my, you know, UCC church, which yeah. I'm still gonna do is come up with a ministry for people who have church hurt, who are triggered or have trauma, mm-hmm. which I'm still going to do. But just getting that off the ground, it's like all these meetings I have to go through and like, oh, you're not, you know, licensed, you're not ordained. Like how do we know that you're not going to be spewing all this, you know, garbage and, you know, all this stuff. And But yet I've had all these recommendations by pastors in, in our tradition, by professors by people who vouch for my integrity, and still it's like, well, but we don't know you that well, right. and, that, and that goes back to, well, you're only meeting with me once, once a year for an hour, yeah, right. and it, it just seems like when I, when I jumped into this process, it just seemed to me that like this was good, like I agree with them theologically, and I do still, but when it comes to their I guess, their methodology of doing church, right. I just have to step back and be like, your methodology is not working. Mm -hmm. It's not working for me, and I don't think it's working uh, for a lot of younger people because, like I've said, my tradition, the average age of a member in our tradition is 70. Yeah, 70 and white, like a white white Mm male, and then followed closely second by white females. And my denomination is made up of predominantly like probably 95% white people across mm-hmm. the board. Yeah. And, and and you can't necessarily always help about your demographics, but my frustration is when I'm coming up to any church, any denomination saying, I'm willing to partner with you and help bridge this divide, I would say if I was a pastor in that tradition or even a higher-up, I'd be like, yes, let's vet you to an extent, because you have to vet people now at this day and age. But if everything comes back smooth and you know crystal clear, then why don't we just jump in and do this? But then there's people that I ran into that are just so like feet stuck in the mud mm. from like this is how we've done things, this is how we'll always do things, and this is how we're always gonna keep doing these. And I if I'm truthful to myself, I don't want to be a part of that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's frustrating.
0: Yeah. How do you think that if you were to like push the reset button and like start from scratch and start like a home church or start a pub church or something like that, and then it got more and more successful and it kept growing and growing, uh, what what sort of things do you think you could implement to stop it from eventually becoming a, a bureaucratic system like other mainline churches are?
2: I mean, part. I mean, I could have some things that I could just spew off, which I mean, I will, but uh, there's a lot of churches denominations for instance there's a local church here in the twin cities um called Wolden hills and it's he's evangelical it's baptist but this pastor greg boy who some people might have known and, and one of our a sacred collective uh members i don't like it's kind of funny that i mean same members but someone who's often on the podcast josh um knows this pastor really well and one of the churches where there were um the, his food shelf that he works at is it's uh, secular; it's not Christian. But at one, it, one of their spots for donations and stuff is at this church, Woodland Hills. And so he's talked with this pastor a lot, and the pastor was like, "I've never wanted; I never wanted this church to get as big as it did." Mm. And a lot of the one of the reasons why the church has grown and it's a mega church, you know, because statistically speaking in America, if you are in a church of 200 members or more you're considered like a mega church which most people would be like 200 250 that's not that many but it just shows you how so so so, so many churches are so small mm-hmm. in its size and that church probably is at least 2500 to 3000 people on on their weekend services but he's he's actually hired from what i've remembered even a few years ago Hiring like church consultants to be like, how do we disengage being so big? Mm. How do we because there's no way in the world if you go to that church on a Sunday that you're really going to have that community feel, that community aspect that you're going to get. I would say at or, at a sacred collective or revolution or some of these pub churches, online communities, and you know, I, and one of the reasons I left the church is I realized I'm only here for the pastor because, you know, he's theologically trained. He has his PhD in theology. And it was like when I was going to church, it was like I was getting like a free, you know, college lecture. Mean. But then when I walked away from it, I was like, I should support the church because I believe in the whole point of of this church and in this community. And I was like, I was being more, you know, conflicted in, inside me of of saying, no, I, I'm i not going to belong here anymore just because of that reason. But going back to what you were saying, like, whether Fireside or Sacred Collective or whatever, like, how would I get it so it's not so bureaucratic? I mean, I think every, I think any kind of ministry should have its sort of, and I think you've even said too, like, if you're like a church and you say that you're a church, you have to have some sort of for legality reasons, you have to have a board, right. elders, deacons, whatever you want to call them, just so, you know, someone's not stealing finances, someone's not just spewing whatever. But I do feel like any kind of ministry that I do run, that I'm a part of, that I help create, you know, there, I think there's a time and I'm a firm believer in this. There's a time for ministries to thrive and there's a time for ministries to die. And, And I'm a firm believer in that. And, you know, I've said to you, Caleb, I've said to even people at Sacred Collective, if I think Sacred Collective is doing well enough now, but if there comes a time six months from now, a year, six years from now, who knows, and no one's really downloading episodes, we're not, you know, we've all went our separate ways, I have no problem just to say, okay, let's just call it, you know, what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so many churches and other ministries that have should have have needed to die, and they just refuse doing that because they're like, "Well, what's next? Well, what if?" And and I'm afraid, and those are all valid reason or uh, you know valid feelings. Yeah. But I mean, I remember in one of my classes in my doctoral work, we were kind of doing a case study just on what I was seeing about this, and I said to you know the professor, like we need to, as Christians, realize that the church is not a building. The church isn't the finances. The church isn't the nice, you know, flat-screen TVs that we have in our foyers, in our classrooms. The church is us. Mm-hmm. And is it sad when a church itself dies? Yes. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, you know, so many other things, you know, die. Like relationships, friendships die. You know, marriages die. And there's a time for mourning from that. But then we continue to move on to bigger and brighter pastures. And I would say the same thing in church and in ministries. Bigger and brighter things are are ahead for, for any kind of ministry and, and stuff. But I think it's the frustration that I have is just getting these ministries off the ground. And in my denomination, like you and I, last year, Caleb interviewed the, the pastor or not the pastor, the president of the United Church of yeah. Christ. Mm-hmm. And he pointedly said, we need to get into, he used the metaphor, like we need to get in this sandbox, sandbox of creativity and start just pushing the boundaries of, of what we do as church. And, and, you know, I'm paraphrasing what he said. And so I've had that like in my head for a long, long time. And then dealing with what I've went through And I'm like, so are the president of our denomination, who has been, who was voted in unanimously, to represent our denomination Mm -hmm. nationally, globally. And I come into my local, regional group of people, and it's like, it was like I pulled the wool over their eyes, like, what you want to do this? Like, I don't understand it. I don't get it. And because they didn't understand it, and they didn't get it was I was at this disadvantage and I said what I had just said like our own president of our denomination has said we need to experiment and we need to know as we experiment look at any look at any inventor a lot of the, they've probably failed 30 40 50 times before one positive invention that they did Yeah, and I look at that in ministry we we have to do the hard work of creating certain, uh, any kind of ministry that we feel like doing, we feel God calling us to do or the divine, whatever you want to fill in the blank with. And I feel that churches will say, will give lip service and say, yes, do this, let's do it. But then when you, when you're actually really passionate about doing it, you write proposals, you, you know, you come up with like a budget, you come up with staff or whatever, Then people get, like, allergic to that, like, in the church, and they're like, well, I don't know. We haven't done it before, such and such and such, and then it never goes anywhere.
0: Right. Yeah.
2: So it's, I don't know, it's just that frustration of, and maybe this is more of a podcast where I'm kind of just venting. Maybe maybe that is. That is what it is. And maybe I'm okay with it, but I don't know. It's just infuriating why so many and this is this isn't a a slight at my own personal denomination that i'm a part of it's it's more of a critique Mm -hmm. a broad critique on denominations in general saying that they're inclusive say you know those are the buzzwords inclusive let's experiment let's let's be you know all things to all people using like the apostle paul but i think when it comes down to it that's all lip service and people really don't want uh, not not people in general but like the church doesn't really want new ways of doing ministry because they're afraid of uh, what that could possibly mean right that could mean less people coming to their service it could be you know maybe more things that the pastors have to do it could be less money out of out of the budget for this other ministry that maybe needs to die but this other ministry that's starting maybe needs that, and and then it just then you just come up with all the finances, and then you come up with all this yeah. bullshit stuff that's within there, mm-hmm. and then your hands are tied as a person wanting to do ministry, and you don't even know what the heck to do next, and then you feel defeated.
0: Yeah, sure. Especially after uh, investing so much time and energy into that specific denomination.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, I want to uh, ask you, putting you on the spot, why do you think yourself, you can speak obviously for yourself, uh-huh. but then your own two cents too, of why do you think, Caleb, younger generations, you know, I'm 37, you know, I'm technically they would say an elder millennial, but other people will say I'm like out of that, I'm not really part of some generation. But why do you think a lot of us, as we get older, that we rage so much against this institutionalism, this institutionalized kind of faith.
0: Well, I suppose, I guess that when you're young, you kind of do need like black and white rules and you kind of do need more fundamentalism in your life. You need to know it's always bad to touch the stove. It's always bad to run, you know, run out into the street and stuff like that. Um, we get older and we see more and more nuance, but we don't see the uh, system or the institution adjusting with us as our understanding adjusts. And so we get frustrated, we get we we, we know that we're impassioned like you are to do your ministry. You know you're impassioned, but you feel like you're hitting, you know, roadblocks and and, and bolsters and barriers. And, uh, and it's like, well, I thought, I thought you said that you were on my side. I thought you said that you guys had my back and you're going to, you know, ordain me or whatever it is. And then, and then it's like, you feel, you feel, uh, in my experience, I have felt under certain circumstances that are kind of similar to what you're going through, you know, felt either uh, deceived or rejected or underappreciated. That's a big one, I think. Um, Systems are uh, are necessary, but they're never ever ever perfect. And so, I think a lot of frustration is gonna come from that. It doesn't. I don't know if it's always fully justified, but like you're gonna get frustrated whenever you feel like you're not being fairly represented. I guess.
2: Yeah, and and I'm not when I'm bringing this story up. I'm not gonna out people um, for sake of anonymity. But, you know, they have said, I can say this, whether on Sacred Collective or other places, but like I said, I'm going to keep it anonymous. But I've had people who are not ordained, licensed in a certain denomination, who are doing ministry, who will say, you know, it would be so much easier if I was licensed or ordained in a particular denomination, in a particular tradition, Um, so I can get funding, so I can get money, so I can, so whatever your ministry is, and and that's true, because denominations and most denominations have been around 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, plus years, and and so there's that truth in there, but then I have other friends who are in ministries all over the world who are ordained in, you know, long-withstanding faith traditions who... When I told them, this is about three people in general, who I've told them of the ministries that I want to do with, you know, Sacred Collective, Fireside, and others of, of walking away from the process, walking away from being ordained. And they said to me in private, I'm jealous because I wish I could do that because being ordained has been nothing but problematic for me, because now that I signed on the dotted line, now that I'm, you know, ordained, it's kind of like, well, now you're into this messed up family. You're into the, you're, you're married into this denomination, and now you're gonna have to deal with it, and you're gonna right. have to go through all of it. But then they look at me and they're like, well, what's nice about you is using kind of like a sports metaphor. You're a free agent. Now I'm a free agent, where I can go. I'm not beholden to the UCC. I can go to. Presbyterian churches, I could go to a Catholic church, I could go to wherever, not saying that I am, but to say, hey, are we on the same page as this? Here's my credentials, vet me, go to my background. Would you want me to do something like this within your church and whatever? And I could do that, but when you are assigned on that dotted line, you're in the fold of a particular denomination, you have to play by their rules how they want to do that, and so... The way what I struggle yeah. with is there's that like fifty fifty where there's positives for being ordained, yeah or getting funding from churches and ministries, and then there's the other the other negative where it's like well, now that they can can tell you what you you can do and say and not to say, and then you're really you know kind of being smothered at how authentic you can really be,
0: yeah
2: I don't know, it's just frustrating,
0: yeah it is. It's hard to see it, you know, as, as your friend, it's hard to see for sure.
2: And, and I don't, I think this is more, as I said earlier, a critique to just church in general, to conservatives, to evangelical churches, to, you know, liberal mainline denominations. And I would say this, like you don't have the 100% truth, whatever truth is, Mm. um, you have your interpretation of God, you have your interpretation of the truth, you have your interpretation of Scripture, you have your interpretation to what constitutes ministry, but to say that you have the end-all to say what is ministry, what is a good ministry, what's viable, what can help people, is, is you know, it, 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 that's my frustration, that's my struggle. And I think that's why... Yeah. I've kind of been really personally just wounded by the church. Well, sure. Because I've been wounded by both sides now. Yeah. And and I know a lot of people, even when this comes out, might be like, well, Brian, why the hell are you a part of the church? Why are you like burn it down, so to <laughs> say, you know, whatever. And I yeah. want to say the church is the people. The church isn't Jesus. Right. And I tell people I might have my frustrations. I might label myself this kind of person and within my spirituality or whatever. But I say, it's it's not Jesus that did it. I think Jesus is pissed with me. I think Jesus is angry, whoever Jesus or whatever Jesus is. Right. I think Jesus is angry and is like, no, this is stupid what you're going through. And so I don't want to have my anger be shown as something of, oh, you know, fuck the church, it's stupid, it's dead. Right. No, I think the church needs to reinvent itself, I, and I think the church tried to do that within like the emerging conversation a number of years back. Mm. I think there's people like ourselves and other people and other yeah. ministries who are trying to reformulate what church yes, means and what yes, community yeah. means, and I think we're doing a good job at that. Mm-hmm. However, I think evangelical churches, mainline churches, they're doing the same old, same old, thinking they're going to get the same results. And I think they're in for a rude awakening, especially now living in a pandemic world, living in a you know world plagued by a virus, where I don't think church is ever going to be what people think it's going to be. Yeah, like it was, you know, pre-pandemic. Sure. Yeah. And and that's why I think podcasts like Sacred Collective or things like Revolution and a whole host of these other ones that are around. Why I think that those are going to continue to do well. Because we can listen in the prophecy of our own homes. We can communicate over you know, social networking you know, mediums. And I think, by and large, church, most churches, quote-unquote, you know, mainline evangelical, aren't ready to do that. And they're not willing to do that. And I think that's going to be their ultimate downfall.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I think you might be a prophet.
2: I don't think I'm a prophet. I'll accept that. But I no, and I know it was more tongue-in-cheek with what you're saying, but I, I don't know. I think it's just, I, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who believes this or thinks this. I'm sure other yeah. people who have listened to our, our podcast or who listen to it that that probably go through that. And I would say to anybody who listens to this when this drops that, you know, if you're doing ministry – whether in the confines of of a denomination or not keep trucking along keep doing it you know there's going to be people who really really support you whether financially or not and then there's going to be other people who just are going to call bullshit or who are going to think this isn't right or this isn't you know whatever and just don't lose heart just keep pushing on keep pressing on and know that whenever you do a ministry, it, it might go well for six months, it might go well for a year, it might go well for ten years, but there also is that time where you have to, you know, differentiate when this needs to continue to go and when this needs to just, you know, that iteration needs to die. Yeah. And, but I think having, I think the church universal, like the church universal, like uh-huh. worldwide, I would say, would benefit of, of people coming and creating new ways to do church and be church and be community Mm -hmm. um, that I feel like most churches and denominations just aren't willing to do because I think it's nerves. I think it's scared. I think it's they don't know where they're going to get the funding or the budgets. And I think those are valid points, but I also think they're excuses to a point.
0: Yeah, true. Yep. I agree.
2: Anything else, my friend?
0: Nothing from me, man. I think
2: you're right on. I don't want to keep bullshitting. Sorry, this was an episode where I was venting, so <laughs> sorry, not sorry um, and I hope you' like it. it. but yeah, interact with us if if um, you will if you can, please no, and uh, when this episode drops, we will we will they're on the way. have sacred collective stickers. Ooh. we order them. I did not know, but when we order them, the company um, is based out of uh, Sweden. So it's going to take a little bit longer to get Um, here overseas. And
0: the stickers will all be in Swedish.
2: No. It's going to have our logo, our sacred collective logo that you see on Instagram and, you know, when you download our episode. Um, And they'll be up. um, You can, you know, buy them on. uh, We don't have a site site, I guess, but we have our Instagram. And so we're just asking two bucks and all that all, the, all that money for the stickers will go back into supporting the podcast to come out with awesome content. Yep. So please support us.
0: Until next time. Later.
1: Thanks for tuning in to our episode. Your support means the world to us. If you'd like to further support us, head over to our merch shop. We have shirts, hoodies, stickers, magnets, and more. All you have to do is go to thesacredcollective.threadless.com. That's thesacredcollective.threadless.com. If you want to find out how to score some free merch, please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. For as little as $5 a month, you can have access to some great discussions with fellow listeners and free merch, while allowing us to put out great conversations. Just head over to patreon.com sacredmn. That's patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash sacredmn to check out what contribution best fits you as well as the incentives we offer. If you haven't yet, don't forget to click subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. Thanks again for listening.
0: If you enjoyed this show, you might also like another post-Christian podcast. Pastor Jay Baker's Revolution Church.
1: It's just secular.
0: Okay, so okay, a secular Sunday gathering in Kansas City. Yeah. Called Oasis. And they had a banjo player yeah. who played at the beginning and the end. And yeah. I I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, it was a little bit I could see how it could be triggering, absolutely, because it's yeah. like, do you clap, do you not clap? Like is this a performance? Is this like setting the tone? Right, you know.
1: And we can't protect every trigger. Yeah. However, no. inherently, Did when we talk about what just happened, yeah. it's just music.
0: Yeah, I was. I stood up with my hands raised. <laughs> 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 this is what I'm supposed to do, <laughs> right? Started singing along to the banjo. <laughs> ding ding a ling, ding 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 ding. Oh, was it just? Was it just acoustic? <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: Bing,
2: oh, Lord. <laughs> bing,
0: a bong, bong, mind. ding. <laughs> no, speaking in tongues to banjo <laughs> music or something like what we've to, uh, stumbled into something here. Oh
2: my
1: god!
0: That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>